Today I want to talk about keeping the Sabbath as a means uh, by giving us life. And before I do that, I just want to have a quick show of hands question. How many have been to a graduation ceremony in the last three or four weeks? Yes, it is graduation season. And personally, I both love and despise graduation ceremonies because every year they're longer. But I also love them because it's a wonderful opportunity to celebrate our loved ones and to look forward to the future at the accomplishments of what will come. And one of my favorite parts about the graduation is the commencement address. And this is when some crazy, awesome person comes in and gives this amazing speech. And it, it launches the students into their future. And it tells them that they're amazing and that they're going to change the world. So I was recently caught off guard when I saw a video online about a guy giving a graduation speech entitled, You're Not Special. Uh, his name was David, uh, David McCullough at Wellesley High School, and he gave a 12-minute speech reminding students that they are not special. Some of my favorite quotes from that were, if everyone is special, then no one is. If everyone gets a trophy, then the trophy is meaningless. And my personal favorite, he said, let's say you're one in a million. On a planet of 7 billion people, there are still 7,000 like you. I thought that was clever. But as I listened to him and I watched this video, I both was agreeing with him and disagreeing with him at the same time. And I disagreed with him because in one sense, I do believe we are special, is that there is no one like each and every one of us. Like even twins are different. Larry said two weeks ago that God has made each of us unique, that God makes man different than the rest of creation. He breathes his spirit into him. He gives him will, the ability to create beauty, makes him in his own image. And so man is, in fact, very special. But also, God makes us out of dirt. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. I mean, couldn't have God made us out of something a little bit better? I mean, I don't want to presuppose that I know better than God, but dirt? I mean, come on, dirt is, it's gross, it's it's common, it's it's dirty. So let's say, let's just hypothetically, let's say I can go back in time, and I can talk to God, right? So I go back in time, and I say, hey God, thanks for letting me go back in time. I promise I won't throw off the time-space continuum, threaten my own existence, and I promise I won't go to my parents' prom and play a rock and guitar solo. Won't mess that up. Thank you. I was, I was afraid no one's going to laugh. You've seen Back to the Future. Good. That was a good reference. All right. All right. Here are my three suggestions for God and what he could have made us out of. Number one, springs. Muscles are good, but they're, they get tired. They're not durable. And this white boy would love to be good at basketball. I got no hops. So maybe springs in my legs, I can jump higher. It'd be awesome. Two, glitter, because it's just like dirt. It's impossible to get out of your carpet, and it's got pizzazz. It's got oomph. It it could just add a little extra spice. Three, gamma radiation, because if I've learned anything from comic books and superhero movies like Spider-Man and the Hulk, it's that gamma radiation has really awesome side effects. But alas, I cannot go back and change God's mind. I cannot change history. We are made out of dirt. And I think God did that to keep us humble, to remind us that we are finite, that we are limited, that we cannot break out of our limitations. 
And you know, truth be told, in the last 100 years, I think our society has been consumed with transcending boundaries. I mean, look at the creation of the light bulb. We can transcend the boundaries of day and night and work through the evening that the sun is no longer our main light source, but we have fluorescent light bulbs. We look at the creation of the telephone, and we can transcend distance and talk to our loved ones who are thousands of miles away in a moment's notice. With airplanes, we can defy gravity and travel at breakneck speeds that our feet cannot carry us at. And with the internet, we are now literally connected to everyone in the world somewhere. And before, the internet was confined to desktop computers that you needed an Olympic weightlifter to lift up. But now we have the internet in our phones. Some of you are probably actually on the internet right now as I speak. And that's okay. It's just, we are in a culture now that transcends boundaries. And so to be reminded that we are finite, that we are limited, that we are made out of dirt screams against our modern culture and our modern sensibilities. And as dirt, dirt needs rest. Leviticus, one of the most exciting books in the Bible, <laughs> verses three, 25, verses 3 through 4, says, Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather in their yield. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of complete rest for the land. A Sabbath for the Lord. You shall not sow your field or prune your vineyard. And so if dirt needs rest, it's not surprising that we who are made out of dirt need rest as well. So if you have your Bibles open, Exodus 20, 8 through 11, and it'll be on the screen behind me. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So today in our modern times, we may feel that the Sabbath is, yes, a command from God, but... We don't really practice it. Or our Sabbath duty is just to go to church and check the box on our checklist. Or maybe we even think that in our modern culture that the Sabbath is an antiquated practice that need not have a place in our day. But it is my belief that we need to practice the Sabbath and keep it holy now more than ever. So we're going to look at what the Sabbath is about today, and then we'll discuss some practical guidelines and ways to, to do that. So on your notes outline, there's mainly one point and then a few subpoints, and this is the main point. The Sabbath is for enjoying God. This is how we frame the Sabbath. It is for enjoying God. We see this in the beginning of creation. Genesis 1 is this beautiful poetic retelling of the creation of the world. In the first three days, God separates. He separates the light from darkness. He separates the waters above from the waters below. He separates the sea from the land. And then the next three days, he fills what he has separated. So he fills the sky with the sun and fills the night with the moon and the stars. He fills the air with the birds, the sea with the fish, and the land with animals. And God's creation culminates in his creation of man. And so God makes man on the sixth day, forms him out of dust and breathes life into him. And the seventh day, 
God steps back from his creation and rests. And what I think is interesting is that before man can get to his work of naming the animals and being fruitful and multiplying, that man enters into God's rest. And so man's first full day is God's rest. And so as God is delighting in his creation, as he's enjoying what he has made and declaring that it is very good, man is enjoying God in that. It's a mutual enjoyment. We don't enter into work, we enter into rest. And so the Sabbath was made for enjoying God. But we as humans have a propensity for messing things up, like crazy. God constantly had to remind the Israelites of what the Sabbath was about. And so throughout their history in Isaiah, Isaiah 58, 13, God says to the Israelites, If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own way, serving your own interests or pursuing your own affairs, then you shall take delight in the Lord. You see, God reminds the Israelites, he's like, the Sabbath is not a day for you to do what you want to do. It's a day to delight in me. And if you set it apart, if you make it holy, if you take it seriously, you will delight in me. And so in Israel's history, when Jesus comes on the scene, at this point, the Pharisees and rabbis and scribes had realized that their forefathers had totally broken the Sabbath. And so to make sure that they didn't break the Sabbath, they created this hedge of laws around the Sabbath. So when it, the Sabbath says, do not work, they began to define what is work? And they got philosophical and they got very minute details. So I want to show you some of the things they said you could not do on the Sabbath. For instance, one who carries a large loaf of bread in public is guilty of breaking the Sabbath, of working. But if two people carry one large loaf of bread, you are free. So if you're going to carry something, find some friends. Two, if you throw a thing. So I have a thing. If you throw, throw a thing from a distance of eight feet against the wall, so I'm more than eight feet, so if I threw this right now, I'd break the Sabbath. If it hits the wall above 10 feet, you're clear. But if you hit the wall below 10 feet, you're guilty of breaking the Sabbath. Now, there are some junior hires in here who love to find loopholes, and these guys were geniuses. If you throw something within eight feet and it rolls outside of eight feet, you're free. But if you throw it outside eight feet and it rolls back in, you've broken the Sabbath. Okay, no backspin here. This is my favorite one. If you threw a thing and after it had passed out of your hand, you remember that it's the Sabbath. So like slow motion, you're like, no, Sabbath. <laughs> and if someone else catches it, you're free. If a dog catches it, you are free. If it spontaneously combusts in fire, you are free. I'm not even kidding. They had a clause for spontaneous combustion. So what I've learned from this is if I lived back then and I didn't want to break the Sabbath, you just carry a flamethrower and you just start blowing things up in midair. And so Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus, his disciples, they start plucking, plucking grain on the Sabbath to eat. And Jesus heals a man's withered hand on the Sabbath. 
And so the Pharisees go to Jesus and say, Nuh-uh, no, no, we've created these rules, this hedge of protection around the Sabbath. You have broken the Sabbath. This is when Jesus gives one of his famous teachings on the Sabbath. In Mark 2, 27, he looks at the Pharisees and says, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. And it is with this that Jesus reminds us that the Sabbath is a gift from God. It is something that he has given to us to enjoy him. It is not some legalistic day on which we just take track of what we do or do not do. It is a day to enjoy God. So the question then begs, how do we do this? Well, I have a few examples. First one, we enjoy God in resting. This is the primary act of the Sabbath, is to rest from our work. And we follow God's example in this, that God rested from his creation, from creating, from his work of forming the world. He rested. Now, for us, this is really hard. Because with recent technology, work does not stay at work. But work travels with you wherever you go. hundred years ago, a farmer's not going to get a phone call from the crop saying, hey, man, this water supply, not working for us. So get us a new supplier in like 24 hours. No, with our technology nowadays that we have a home office, a home phone, a work phone, that there's an expectation that if you get a text message or an email, you give a prompt response. And so work begins to invade our time of rest, and it prevents us from resting. But truth be told, I think we kind of like to work. That we like being busy because it makes us feel productive. It makes us feel good about ourselves. And so we'll be with our friends and be like, oh, I am so busy. I have so much to do. And we complain, but in reality, we love how busy we are. But we need a Sabbath rest to remind us that God doesn't need us. That the world will keep going even if we stop working. That the sun's going to rise, the birds are going to chirp, everything's going to be fine. So we can cease from our activities for 24 hours, and we're going to be okay. To rest on the Sabbath reminds us that God is in control. He doesn't need us to keep this world going. But even more so than the fact that we like to work, I think we work out of a desire to be loved. I think when it comes down to it, we are all dreadfully insecure that we are all like small children just asking mommy and daddy to watch us. And so we work, and we work, and we work. And we think that if we get one more promotion, we'll finally get the respect we deserve. And that if we just finish this project, people will actually love us. Or for someone like me, it's if I just preach a good enough sermon, then I will be loved. But the more we work, the more we fall into the lie that love is something that is earned. And the Sabbath rest to cease from our workings reminds us that we are not loved by what we do. We're loved because God loves. It's part of his nature. It's who he is. And so to take an intentional day to stop working frees us from our insecurity of trying to find love. And in that stillness of resting and not doing something, of not being productive, of not contributing to society, we're still loved. God loves the CEO and the homeless man all the same. I'm reminded of Jesus in his ministry when before he performs any miracle, before he does any form of ministry, he gets baptized in the Jordan. And as he's coming up out of the waters of the Jordan, a voice from heaven proclaims, 
You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. And so before Jesus does anything, he is declared to be loved by God. And so it is with us. That God looks at each and every one of you and says, you are my beloved. I love you. And then from that beloved status, we go into our work. We don't go into our work to be loved. We are loved, and then we work. His favorite quote by Augustine, he said, Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, O God. And so a Sabbath day to rest, to stop, to breathe for a moment, allows us to rest in God and to enjoy him. Secondly, we... Enjoy God through delighting, through delighting in God's creation. I mean, this is what God does. When God creates the world, he steps back and says, it is very good. He enjoys his creation. He delights in it. So the question I want to pose to you today is, if you had 24 hours to do what brought you utter joy and delight, what would you do? That's how we have to frame the Sabbath. It's not about not doing stuff. It's what do you love to do? What is your joy? What directs your attention towards God? What gives you life and gets you excited? For me, I love nature. I love being out in God's creation. As that, and I delight in his creation. I'm led to worship God. So one Sunday, Kenzie and I were just beginning to learn this practice of Sabbathing very intentionally. And we we're going for a walk. And as we were walking, I suddenly got like punched in the face by a smell of a flower. I mean, it was the sweetest perfume I had ever smelled. So I just stopped for a moment and went over to the flower and just basked in God's beauty, that he had created this flower perfectly. And he had given me a nose to be able to smell its beautiful scent. And in that moment, as I stopped to smell the flowers, I was worshiping God. I delighted in his creation. So what do you love to do? Do you love to look at art? Do you love to create, maybe make a meal, maybe paint a painting, maybe go see a play, eat good food? There's hundreds, thousands of possibilities. I was going to give a huge list of them, but this, a few hours before I was reflecting on this, and God kind of just wanted to let me, remind me, take me in another direction. So I think another way we can delight in God is to return to childlike delight. That children have this amazing ability to delight in whatever they're doing. They will play games just to play games. They will make up, a, you give them a stick and a rock and they will somehow form a game. They don't care if they win or not. And so I think we need to recapture childlike delight. Just today, uh, my friend was staying at the Disneyland Hotel. And so I went over there this morning and he and I started going in the water slide. They have this like two-story water slide. And for a while... It was just me and my friend, two grown men, married men, sprinting up the stairs and going, okay, all right, I'm going to go super fast this time, and throwing ourselves down the slide, trying to find the way to go the fastest that we could. At one point, my friend goes up to the lifeguard, and he goes, can we do this as much as we want? She's like, yeah. He's like, great, and ran off. It was a moment of just utter delight in which we were being silly, we were having fun, but we were being childlike, just getting back to the fun moments of, of childhood. I was at a park earlier today, and I saw these two kids with their bikes, riding their bikes as fast as they could down this grass hill. And the grass hill led to a, 
a sandlot. And one of the kids goes in the sandlot and his back tire spins out. And he goes, oh, I drifted. He was so excited. He went like two feet. It was lame. But for him, it was this beautiful moment of excitement. I think we need to recapture that childlike joy. And a Sabbath is a great way to do that. Do something completely impractical. Build a blanket fort through your entire house. I don't know. Put straws together and see how big of a straw you can make. I don't know. Have fun. Do something crazy. As families, this is a great opportunity to delight together. And so maybe, because each of you have different personalities and have different tastes, maybe in your family, each person gets to plan a Sabbath day. And so if one person loves to read, then that Sabbath day get to plan, you go to the library. Or if one of them loves to, to look at art, you go to a museum one day. But find things that honor each person's unique personality and find things that lead you to enjoy God. If it's something you just like to do for the sake of doing and it doesn't lead you to worship, I would say think about if there's a way you can make it worshipful or a way it can lead you to enjoying God. So we, we honor the Sabbath by enjoy, we, we enjoy God in resting, in delighting, and finally in corporate worship. That we... God is not about, he's about saving individuals, but he's about saving individuals for a community. That God dwells in our midst, that we are the body of Christ, that we are the called out ones. He has called us to be salt and light to this broken world. That it is as iron sharpens iron that we are edified and we grow. But church, sometimes we talk about church as if it's something that we go to. Church is not a place that you go. Church is who we are. So you don't come to church and have something given to you and it's about whether or not you like it or not. Church is what we do as a community. It's who we are. It's how we live. For me, working at the church throughout the week, I can get caught up in thinking that, that it's by my actions that, that the kingdom comes, that it's by what I do that God is transforming the world. And it's when I come to worship on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings that I realize and I'm reminded that God's work is so much bigger than me. It is so much bigger than each and every one of us. And we need to be reminded of that each and every week because we are so prone to thinking that it's all about us. And so what we need to see our church as is not just a checklist, but that we need each other to love God that I cannot love God without you. I don't want to guilt you into coming church. I want to remind you that we are a community and that we need each other to worship. It's a community involved. One thing I love to do sometimes is when we're worshiping, I love to stop singing and to hear the voices cry out, to hear this community call out to God. And then I'm reminded that it's not just our community that's calling out to God, but it is happening around the world. That at any moment, there are people praising and worshiping God. And it's in those moments when I realize that there's a global movement happening that God is doing. I am in awe, and it leads me to worship. So we need our time together as a part of our Sabbath to be reminded of what God is doing and to be relaunched into the next week with God's passion, his love, his energy that we find in here propelling us. So these are three ways we enjoy God in resting, in delighting, and in corporate worship. And I do want to make a point about Sunday. Sunday has traditionally been the Christian day of Sabbath, 
for the Jews, it used to be Saturday, but when Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday, Christians changed their Sabbathing from Saturday to Sunday. And so uh, I believe Sabbathing on Sunday is a really good thing to do, but if you can't because of work, that's not necessary. So we don't want to be legalistic about this and say it has to be Sunday. I would say if you can do it Sunday, do it Sunday. But if you have work that gets in the way, then find a day that works best for you. So we've talked about what Sabbath is about. It's about enjoying God. Let me just give a few practical guidelines and suggestions. So there's no fill-ins for these, but write down any that stick out to you. And and what I'm about to say may sound legalistic and ritualistic to some of you. Uh, And let me just make a point about that. If If my wedding anniversary is coming up, which it's not till October, but... Let's say I was talking to you and I say, yeah, my wedding anniversary is coming up and I've been thinking and planning and so you know, I know what the whole day is going to be like. I've got it planned out moment by moment. I'm, I know what Kenzie loves. I know what she doesn't like. I want to do things that are going to bring her joy. And if your advice to me was, no, 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 don't plan. Just let it happen. Go with the flow. See how it feels. Just let it be organic and natural. That flow that you speak of is probably going to lead me to sleeping on the couch for a couple weeks. So planning is not legalistic. It is being intentional. It is a display of our love. And so it is with the Sabbath. We can't just let the Sabbath happen. We have to intentionally and meticulously plan for it. So here's some suggestions. I think a great time to do it is Saturday night to Sunday night. This allows you to have a family meal on Saturday night. And for this crowd, this is a great opportunity because we come to church and it launches us into our Sabbath time. And especially for those, if you have things you have to address Monday morning for work, it gives you a period of time on Sunday night to take care of those. Uh, For students, get your homework done. Sunday afternoon is not homework time. Maybe Sunday evening. But if to keep the Sabbath, you got to be intentional about not saving your homework until the last moment. I know what you do. I was once in your shoes. Uh, if you do have your Sabbath Saturday night to Sunday night, start off with a family meal. Do something that requires little to no dishes. Buy paper plates. Buy plastic utensils. So when you're done, you throw it away and there's no dishes. In fact, if you can, don't do dishes the whole Sabbath. Amen? <laughs> woo woo. Try to do things that will free you from working, especially maintaining the house. Don't clean. Don't, cook. Don't, don't clean the dishes. Just let it sit. It can wait. It may get a little moldy, but you'll clean it off. It's fine. That's why we have soap. If you do have a family dinner, try to have a devotional. It doesn't have to be intense. It doesn't have to be super, like an hour-long service planned out. I, I know a family that on their Sabbath, they, they begin with prayer. And each week, the parents lay their hands on their kids' heads and bless them. How cool that those kids each week get a parental blessing. So find something to incorporate worship or or prayer or study of scripture, but let that be a part of your Sabbath time. Let me remind you, you have to work to rest. And we have six days of working and the seventh for rest. And if we do not work those six days, we will be working the seventh. You have to be intentional about working your butt off to get that Sabbath rest. So Saturday, if you do it Saturday night to Sunday night, clean, clean, clean. Get ready and prepare so that you can be free to rest. Turn off your phone. The world will not end. 
especially students, you may get one, t- it's gonna be really depressing because you'll turn it off and then you get like one text message. And it reminds you that no one's really trying to get a hold of you. But our phones, they so often steal us from the present moment that when we're with others, that we will often be distracted by the vibrating or the ringing. I'm amazed that we show more respect to movies than we do people. And we'll turn our phones off for a two-hour movie, but in a five-minute conversation, we're constantly checking our phones. Turn your phone off if you can. Something may happen. Absolutely, something always happens. Just be glad you're not finding out three weeks by mail or Morse code. (laughs) If you can, turn off all electronics, video games, TV. I find that we run to electronics when we feel nervous or there's empty space or unstructured time and we don't know what to do with it. And so we just run to TV. TV is a time killer. Turn it off. Don't, don't run to it. Let your Sabbath time be slow. If you can, walk. If you have to go somewhere, take a walk. Because when we drive, we can always go faster. But walking, our pace is set. Unless you try running. For me, it's like four steps and I'm done. I'm going back to walking. But walking slows down our heart, slows down our mind, leads us to have times of reflection. If you can, Try not to spend money. Remove yourself from the economy and the market that we can go 24 hours without spending money. It's a reminder that the world is not what provides us with life. It's that God provides us life. And so to refrain from spending money frees us from thinking that my money is how I make my living. No, God provides. If he provides for the sparrows and the grass in the field, he'll provide for you. Finally, if you can... Find time for silence or solitude. For those with young children, this is probably impossible. Uh, But you have to get flexible, get creative. Find time when you can be alone, when you can sit in stillness to quiet your heart, to settle down, and to just rest and be loved. Again, I say these as just suggestions. These are not legalistic guidelines. These are things that maybe you can try. Uh, If you disagree with me, you can, but if you do disagree, we'll have to arm wrestle, and whoever wins, then you have to do it. You'll probably beat me, though. I'm not that strong. Um, Kenzie and I have recently been trying to practice the Sabbath very intentionally, to be very serious about this, and we haven't been perfect in it. We've messed up a lot, but what we've found is that the more intentional we are about keeping the Sabbath holy by setting time aside to enjoy God, to rest, to delight in him and his creation, time for worship, that it begins to form into us as a habit. And so we have to try less and less and less. It becomes easier and easier because the more we do it, the more it becomes ingrained within us. And as we practice the Sabbath, as we immerse ourselves in God's ordained rhythm of six days of work and a day of rest, as we enjoy him, we will begin to be transformed and we will begin to live the life we were meant to live. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you, you have created us finite, that you have created us limited, that we are made out of dirt. God, it's, it's good to know that. It's good to know that you use dirt. You use us. So I pray that you would begin to show us uh, the beauty of Sabbath rest, that you would lead us to treasure moments of rest, that we would find you as our ultimate source of joy, as our delight. We would find your love to be so beautiful, 
and life-giving. And God, as, as we as families, individually, and as individuals, begin to practice the Sabbath, would you form us into a Sabbath community who is characterized by your love, your joy, your peace, your patience. May you transform us to be salt and light to this broken world. Praise in Christ's name. Amen.